Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. I am your host, Mark Seavey, coming at you live from our national headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, uh, Jeff Daly from Hollywood, California, and Ashley from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Ashley is a former MP in the Ohio National Guard and is eagerly anticipating the opening of a dog park bar combination in Virginia. I saw that. And, uh, Jeff is a former Marine who is the only man in Los Angeles growing plants on his rooftop that have no obvious medicinal purposes. So I, I don't know exactly what you had growing there, but it, it looked like things that go into food rather than are ingested in other harmful ways. I suppose we should applaud you for that. I'm not really sure. <clears throat> We've got so much to cover today. I'm not even sure where to start. But as the Big Ten decides that they couldn't beat the SEC in football anyway, and they're sitting a year out, I wanted to start with a happy birthday, happy 56th birthday to the best fictional Ohio State quarterback of all time, Johnny Utah, a.k.a. Shane Footsteps Falco, a.k.a. Keanu Reeves, who is 56 years old today. Um, I did note that in his fictional biography that I found online, he was 10-1 and his senior season at Ohio State with only a loss to Michigan, which demonstrates that whoever came up with the backstory doesn't know anything about football. And in a similar vein, I'm going to go out there right now and say Mississippi State will be your 2021 here national title uh, champion. Now, in other news, uh, the producers of Game of Thrones have announced that they are spearheading a new Netflix series based on a Chinese trilogy called The Three-Body Problem, which is a sci-fi thing. I tried to read up on it, didn't understand a single word of what I was reading. Uh, so I look forward in about 10 years to being disappointed in the way the series finale went, where Bran is named Emperor of the Universe. Jeff, you won't even know that reference because you probably didn't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, I did see Mand Mandalorian today. Uh, it is announced that uh, October 30th will be coming from Disney. But in the most important news of the day is that, did you guys see that the cast of Dancing with the Stars was announced this morning? No. I think you might be the only one that follows that. Carol Baskin will be on <gasps> Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> no. Oh. But she will be running up against uh, Johnny Weir whose toxic masculinity will be coming to Dancing with the Stars. Now, is there any way that Carol Baskin can They all have to be cat-themed songs. That's, that's, that's a must. It all, they have to be cat-themed songs, cat-themed attire. Like, I want to see her in different, like, oh my god. Jeff looks like he's going through physical pain. Like, he's... I think so. He, he went to a podcast and ended up at his proctologist. I don't know what that look is, but it is I not comfortable. It hurts your heart, see... right? I know. I was going to tell you how my heart felt. Oh. It's uh, I don't want to see Carol Baskin do anything. I don't want to see her dance. I would like to see her in a cage for killing her husband. But that's about it. And maybe her finale should be the Eye of the Tiger Survivor. Oh, <gasps> yeah. That would be amazing. That would be straight cash. Are you? So you're not gonna you're not gonna watch it. <laughs> 
Jeff. You know, I'm sure that her. I'm sure that any awkward clips of her on that show will show up on YouTube, <laughs> and I'm not going to contribute to the. It's going to be a GIF or a meme soon enough. I'll wait. I, I, I literally didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know a single other person on there. I think Vernon Davis is on there. The uh, Super Bowl winning. I don't even know what he is. Tight end, I think. But I, I didn't know any of the people listed there. It was shows I've never seen and don't really care about. So I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Right, can, we, can we back up yeah. one second really quick? You said Kanoa Reeves is how old? 56. What about Keanu? He's 56. Today. Today. Yesterday? Within the month? Oh, my God. First off, I just want to say that this past weekend, I watched Bill and Ted's Face the Music movie, and I loved it. Okay. I, I am such a yet, big I... cult. Like Those are just like those cult movies. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. His, uh, I love his, it. His fictional background, they <laughs> totally. managed to, from his fictional background, they talked about how he was going to fail out of high school, but he went with Ted to, or Bill to another planet, another time, and somehow he managed to get through. Like, they've managed to work in four movies into his fictional biography before he became a quarterback at Ohio State. And it was pretty well done, except for the fact that his one loss came at the hands of Michigan. Like, I... There were still dinosaurs running around the last time Michigan defeated Ohio State in football. Are we talking about the same person? Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Didn't you ever watch fictional. The Replacements? Fictional. fictional. Okay, biography. fictional. Biography. Yeah, okay. He, he, he played okay, a quarterback for okay, Ohio State Okay, sorry. You movies. just kind of lost uh, me there. I was like... What was the other... Uh, Point Break. Didn't you ever watch Point Break? No. Uh, you're so I young. I didn't see it. Painful. Although, you know um, what, so tracks, what? what tracks is that he almost didn't get out of high school but still went to Ohio State. <laughs> you know what <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie go watch it it was actually really good it did well on Rotten Tomatoes and it's pretty funny and there's definitely some good callbacks that was a so great show if you're looking for something fun to do watch the first one the second one she's scrambling the now the, the academic prowess of Ohio State has thrown her into a tizzy no I'm already fired up let's go let's <laughs> yeah. do it but All right, pro topic proceed one. sir proceed yes. Topic one, uh, Bergdahl, uh, Bowie Bergdahl's sentence is upheld. This is from military.com. In a narrow decision, the U.S. military's top court of appeals has held a conviction against former Army Sergeant Robert Bowie Bergdahl on charges of desertion and misbehavior before the enemy, saying public mm -hmm. comments by President Trump and the late Senator McCain condemning the soldier did not invalidate his prosecution. At issue in the appeal was whether his fair prosecution was jeopardized by statements of senior leaders. On the campaign trail, Trump repeatedly called Bergdahl a dirty, rotten traitor. After he became president, his comments were much more reserved. Um, and in McCain's case, he told a reporter, if it comes out that Bergdahl has no punishment, we're going to have a hearing in the Senate Armed Services Committee about it. Uh, one, uh, two of the uh, Three of the judges voted to keep the decision, and two uh, were saying that the charges should be dismissed. One of the judges who said it should be dismissed said, never in the history of modern military justice system has there been a case in which the highest level figures, including the commander in chief, have sought to publicly demean and defame a specific military accused, Sparks wrote in a lengthy political uh, partial dissent. The vilification of Ser Sergeant Bergdahl before, during, and after his court-martial was unprecedented, hostile, and pernicious in the extreme. You guys have had a chance to look at this now. What uh, what do you think? Was it should it have been invalidated? What do you think, Jeff? Well, I, I don't think it should have been invalidated because 
the no matter what was said it doesn't change facts and the reason the guy says whoever was i think was his lawyer that you quoted said that it's the first time that people in the highest levels or whatever well i think that had something to do with it being on the serial podcast you know that this american life had a spin-off podcast called serial and while it was going on they were doing you know their own investigative journalism and that's where from listening to that even listening to bergdahl himself on there listening to to people who served with him and how people died looking for him and all of the all of the things around it i i don't think someone bad mouthing him uh, caused him to be convicted i think his actions and the consequences of those actions for other people's lives are what caused him to be convicted ashley i have to agree with jeff i mean you know actions will help there's always going to be consequences um, but he kept saying cereal, and uh, my brain is now hungry, and I want cereal, and I'm craving <laughs> Cocoa Pebbles, my childhood cereal, and I don't know why my brain went there, but I thought I'd share that out loud. Yay. And we've just been talking about Bill and Ted, and yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad everyone is able to tune in and see <laughs> Ashley's mental breakdown as it happens on air here. This is going to be this yeah. weekend. Now, I, I mean, I I agree. I, it, uh, I actually came around on Bergdahl because of the serial podcast Jeff mentioned. And before that, I was very much a, you know, string him up by his feet kind of guy. And then I saw the serial and it, it made me actually feel some empathy for him. It, it would be one thing to me if he just straight up deserted and took his rifle and joined the enemy. This somehow his brain thought that he was going to make it through like 40 miles of Indian country with no firearm to make it to uh, the other fob. And it's just, it's crazy to me. I have some empathy for him, but this, the other thing is the fact that, you know, again, the case was done against the backdrop of a presidential election. And Trump said most of the hard things about Bergdahl while he was running as a candidate. And if we're going to hold the, you know, the people who are campaigning, if we're going to hold that against them, then we're not going to have access to things that are important for us to know when we're elected. I mean, Bergdahl's trial was an important moment for the United States, the military, for everyone. And for Trump not to have spoken out about Bergdahl, I think would have brought in, uh, brought a lot more questions. Uh, I just don't think it's a good idea to say that the, it's one thing to have the commander in chief specifically state what he thinks, what he thinks should happen to a defendant or what he thinks about a specific case. But Trump wasn't asking about it from his capacity, you know, trying to to sway the jury. He was asked about it as a candidate. I, I don't think that uh, lowering the amount of questions that go to presidential candidates is the way to go. Kind well, of, I'm also curious. I've, he he couldn't have been the only person asked about it, right? I mean, right. I, I mean, there was I, a lot. Right. And and, I, and and his probably his opponent. Right. Opponent. I don't remember what what stage of the election it was at, but it was. I'm sure his opponent or opponents um, had similar thoughts. Right. Would would be my guess. Yeah, and and again, I I just don't think we want to uh, curtail them speaking about any case. Like, if you're gonna say that about that, then we can't really ask the president too many questions that are going to be you know used against them later. Like, if there's a if there's a pending issue, you're going to want to know what the president or the presidential candidate thinks about him. And to say that he's not allowed to talk about him because it might impact some case that's making its way through, I think is 
pretty myopic. Not a not a big fan of that thought. Well, what do you think as a as a lawyer as a lawyer and knowing that the military system um, that it, the people who are the people who are conducting the court martial um, are I'm assuming at that level they're generals and well they need yeah. presidential like to keep moving up. So is there is there a conflict? I, I I just don't I don't really think there is. I think that people are smart enough to understand that that attorneys on both sides are doing their job. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean I just I don't think in light of the fact that Bergdahl didn't get all that severe a punishment and Trump was you know arguing this is the biggest you know most horrible thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. I think that goes to the point that he didn't actually sway the jury all that much. They gave him a fairly lenient punishment as far as I can determine, Spe- specifically when you see that uh, there was a loss of life in trying to, to find him. So, yeah, I, I just don't, I'm not buying off, I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the getting out of a case based on how much a, a commander had say over it anyway. I'm just not a, not a un, it's called command undue influence, and I'm not not a big fan of it, to be perfectly frank. All right, let's take a quick uh, ad break here, and we'll be right back in just a second. Diddly, diddly. Did you know the American Legion magazine is the most frequently read periodical in the nation? True story. Find out why by joining today at legion.org forward slash join. All right, and we are back, and we are now going to go to Miss Ashley, uh, who's going to talk about another story that's, I believe, from the Military Times. Ashley. Absolutely. So uh, we've kind of touched base on this individual a little bit prior when we've been talking about Medal of Honor recipients. And how do you say his first name correctly? Is it Alwyn? Alwyn. Alwyn. Alwyn Cash, we've we've spoke about him before in regards to, um, he was posthumously awarded the Silver Star for repeated attempts to uh, rescue, you know, his, his fellow comrades. Um, in result, he had like second to th- uh, third degree burns, probably like, I think it was like 75% of his body, almost 8%. And um, there were, you know, countless witnesses and people have been trying to submit for a while uh, for him to be considered for a Medal of Honor. So um, recently, um, I believe, and uh, Mark will probably be able to touch a little bit more on this, but the biggest holdup was the Department of Defense decision not to award him the Medal of Honor. And, um, you know, impartial conversations between the, um, oh goodness, what is his name? Drawing a blank, drawing a blank. Uh, Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper. Um, So he's been kind of leading the front on this and he's, Within the past few weeks, him and a group of House lawmakers announced that they're going to be uh, recommending him once more for, you know, the Medal of Honor uh, for Cash, who is a Florida native who served in the first Gulf War and uh, two subsequent tours in Iraq before his death in 2005 in November. So I just think it's really interesting that um, even in part- uh, partials of this article, it, it speaks to kind of this traumatic overhaul. Uh, that the Department of Defense is is reviewing from a diversity inclusion standpoint. Like there's, there's just some bits and pieces here. And just from the Army standpoint, I know that there's been another article circulating about like DA photos and them being removed. Um, so it just kind of all ties into Esper's uh, priorities at large for creating kind of this 
I don't know, I would just say kind of like peeling back some of the layers on why some of this stuff isn't working. And I just thought it was really interesting to, to share with the group for discussion today about them finally saying like, we're going to put this gentleman up again, uh, you know, for uh, Medal of Honor. I'll go next. Uh, I, I, I've been pushing the Alwyn Cash Medal of Honor since the minute I heard about Alwyn Cash. The biggest stumbling block uh, was largely that the Medal of Honor has to be heroism under fire from the enemy. And as Ashley talked about, essentially his actions were that he was completely doused in gasoline and he went into a burning hum, uh, burning vehicle to pull his troops out of there. And so there was the question of whether it was actually in the, you know, whether it was actually in combat with the enemy. And when the Silver Star was initially given to Cash, there was some question as to whether that... Now witnesses are reporting that there was... Uh, that they were actually being raked with small arms fire at the time he was doing all this. The small arms fire, when your vehicle is on fire and you're doused in gasoline, is pretty much secondary to the fact that you're in a bad situation. Like, lead poisoning from bullets aside, like the fact that you're doused in a flammable substance going into a vehicle that's on fire is where the actual danger is. So I think for the Pentagon, they had to get around that. Was it heroism under fire element? Mm -hmm. And I mean, huge props to, to Esper and to the DOD finally coming out with this. And this is hundred percent bipartisan. Uh, again, um, Cash's name has come up repeatedly because in all the talk about, um, doing away with Confederate names on military bases. His name comes up usually in conjunction with Fort Bragg, North Carolina, that people think it should be Fort Cash. And, you know, I, I'm a huge, huge uh, fan of that. Jeff, what do you got on this one? I have, uh, like you said, you've been tracking it for a lot longer than I have. I tracked it when we first brought it up. Um, and since you know, my thinking on it is this is a big story for a couple of reasons. One, it's because of who he is and what he did, and that we shouldn't minimize that. And the second thing is is the process and the criteria that that and, and whether it's too stringent in in something that isn't um, shouldn't be a disqualifying factor. It shouldn't matter if munitions were projectiling in his direction at the exact moment. Um, I think being close to being on fire is just as harrowing as being under fire, which is a, you know, a figurative term. And he was literally potentially on fire. And, and, and then literally was on fire. In, oh, he did catch fire. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Going into on fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seventy-five percent. Yeah. So he was on fire, and 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 still thought of others. Still put, still put the safety of his of you know his um, of his cohorts on the top of his brain and rescued them. I don't I I don't understand um, how other than people looking at the letter of right. of the rule and not having and I don't know if there's a capacity to go. Yeah, maybe in this case, or if some if, if it did take the grand gestures that it that it took to make the exception, and I would hope that moving hope that this is important moving forward, and that if someone is is under extreme duress, 
and still manages to heroically act in the benefit of others that it won't take it won't take all of this that's my yeah. hope yeah and you could probably speak to that better than i can about the the long-lasting effects yeah. of and this and case. the biggest long-lasting effect that i see is hopefully this opens up the medal of honor too for guys like the four chaplains which i don't know Hopefully you know the story, but the four chaplains were on the USS Dorchester in World War II, and the ship was uh, torpedoed and it was sinking, and these four chaplains of four different faiths kept handing off their life vests to various people, and then when the ship went down, the four chaplains were standing there praying together. And it's a, you know, and one of the big holdups for getting them the Medal of Honor was were they actually under fire? And it's like. Well, if your boat is going down underneath where you're standing, to me, that's enough to be under fire. Like, does it matter that Alwyn Cash lost his life to Burns? Or if he had rescued the last soldier and he was coming out and he's on fire, does it make a difference if he's then killed by small arms fire? Well, I don't think it mattered to Alwyn Cash. He wasn't doing this, you know, for purposes of receiving the medal of honor posthumously obviously he was like can i i want to do what's best for my troops which is save their lives i, I think it's good that they were finally getting out of this sort of myopic view and taking a more holistic view at what you know things are worth in terms of what medals should he receive for this i i think it's great man i, I can absolutely cannot wait and i've already been putting in my my bid to be the one that that covers this story when it happens uh, even though I'm not even writing anymore in terms of what the American Legion has me, but I think I'm going to get to go to this uh, Medal of Honor ceremony, and I absolutely cannot wait. So, and now uh, on the 75th uh, podcast in a row, we're going to talk about Fort Hood with Jeff. Uh, okay, so I want you guys to, and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask to forgive me for going into crescendoing into a little bit of a rant here. Um, it, the story itself, the story itself is all you need to know is the body count at Fort Hood is now up to nine people. Um, and it's, it's not nine accidental deaths where they found these people later. These are nine probable, most likely murders. And, uh, you know, it started with Vanessa Guillen. And I have a lot of friends who marched and talk about justice for Vanessa. And I, I really couldn't wrap my brain around what that would actually look like because her murderer killed himself. So there's, there was no way to pursue a legal sense of justice for her. But now I'm thinking with these nine bodies that, have, that are they're just piling up and it's disgusting. I think the, the the justice for Vanessa now is turning onto that base. And I, and the, the other news that came out recently was that the uh, the commanding general is being demoted. Somebody's coming in. He's going to basically be an overpaid XO, and he's losing his armored division command that he's about to be transferred to. And I think that I think that they found a fall guy there, and because yeah, totally. something like this permeates through an entire organization and it's not it's not at the command level this is this is so deeply entrenched that my theory and i have no data to support it 
is that there is some kind of organized crime or gang infestation there and that people who don't do what they are told to do by this entity end up dead and i think that i think that some drastic measures and i will go all the way up to closing it down transferring everybody out and and having new people start this thing from fresh because i i think it's probably infested so deep when you have a when you have a structure that is infested with termites you don't kill each individual termite you have to tent the you have to tent the building and gas them all out and i'm i'm to the point now where i think fort hood is beyond the point of repair as we say in the military it's non it's non-serviceable it kind of just needs to burn to the ground and be built up again and that's my personal opinion and i'm going to now that i have finished my rant and I appreciate you guys letting me do that. I'm going to look to more sage advice from her. A more, a more, more sage. So I don't know about sage advice, but I will. I will say that uh, what Jeff is referring to most recently is that there was a young Cav Scout trooper who uh, I, there was an accusation of sexual harassment against uh, that he was sexually harassed. He put in notification to Fort Hood. They moved him to a different unit. And then a couple weeks later, he disappeared. No one knew where to find him. They got his unit out there. Nobody could find him. And eventually they found him allegedly having committed suicide in nearby Temple, Texas, I believe it was. And so now, like Jeff said, they've, they've taken the commander out. And I got to agree, like in my unit, you know, there's always somebody watching that would have seen this and going, hey, that's not right. I, I don't know how a military system could be so screwed up, but every time you see something dumb happening in the military, it's like, oh, Fort Hood. Of course it's Fort Hood. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Ashley, what do you got? So from someone who has been in a military toxic leadership situation where I have tried to report and do all of these things and then be like this, advocate and almost cross over to vigilante like i the story hits home for me and to see just that reason obviously the article came out about the general like he's the fall guy at the end of the day um you know they're gonna they're gonna try and appease the crowds but when it comes down to brass tacks it is about people holding each other accountable and um i really believe that we're spending too much time on some of these like big credentials and we're not paying attention to character we're not and when we let go of just our simple discipline, that line that kind of like, you know, that brings us together, it, it everything just starts to fall apart and we have to hold each other accountable. And that starts, you know, honestly, arguably, I'd say from the enlisted side, it, it's it's your sergeants, it's your, your E5s, your E6s. Those are the folks that set the tone. And if that's happening at a unit level, right, then, you know, if they're messing around, then the platoon leaders don't care and the, you know, the platoon sergeant doesn't care. Like, it is a ripple effect. I have witnessed it and yeah. it caused me a lot of distress. And even when I reported stuff that was happening or the belligerent activities, right, and this isn't even about sexual assault. This is just about being disrespected. I was told, you're out of line. No, like, this is fine. So the fact that there's an overall acceptance of this culture, it has to change. And I, I do tend to, I, I agree with Jeff because in the, the day, like you're going to have to clean house. You're going to have to clean the whole house because 
there's going to be folks in there that are going to hold on to that mentality because that is what they know and that is like it, it becomes tribal and i and i say this from experience i've witnessed it and it took a toll on my mental health and it's not great and i feel for all of those that are either mourning right now or you know too afraid to report some of these things due to retaliation retribution whatever I feel it. I feel it all the way down to my core. And it makes me upset that we continuously have to have this conversation and folks don't want to change. And I'm tired of hearing that like, oh, change takes decades because at this rate, like, you know, in a comparable state, like women's equality, for example, 208 years is really what we like. That's how long until that's equal. Right. Think about like the military. Right. We're like the biggest social experiment. We have been for a long time. Like we were doing integration before that was like, you know, whatever. Right. So. I'm just deeply disturbed that all of this is happening and nobody is stepping up and doing the right thing and putting character first on this. So, okay. And my rant. Yeah. I did, I mean, Wait, I, Mike I, drop. I, I think I, I would take a, I, you know, <laughs> it, here's what I think. You've got a, you've got a, a first Lieutenant somewhere who's going to get his first command. He's going to take, he's going to get Oh three, He's taking a command and then he sees I'm going to Fort Hood. That's got to be a horrible. F- You're walking into a, a situation where the best you can hope for is to walk out of it not screwed up for life. Not like demoted, not so removed. Or not, not remo- dead. Or not that's dead. Like, it's like the whole at. thing. Like the whole thing is just. So I, I kind of agree with Jeff. I mean, I don't think you can literally take everyone out and then funnel them back in, but I don't know what the answer is either. You got to do something because. That place is, I at this point, it's almost, we're almost at just shut it down stage. You can fit people elsewhere. The problem right. I see with it is that it's so big. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. And it does, it's the only base that does like a lot of things training wise for the army. It's, yeah, it's tough when I'm, I'm glad there's people that get paid a lot more money than me. Yeah. Have to I, figure it out. I, I, I would, I, I just can't even imagine what it would be like to go to that unit now as a company commander. It'd be atrocious. I wouldn't I'm do it. Just, it's, I'm telling you, I, I'm a firm believer it starts It starts at your NCO level, the folks yeah. that have direct influence over lower enlisted, because they will set the tone for what is and is not acceptable. And from the opposite, from the opposite way, right, like your officers that come in and they're a little lackadaisal and they let their platoon leaders and their platoon sergeants run amok, that's when stuff starts to happen and unless they have kind of this you know firm but flexible kind of mindset they're not going to be able to make those those changes and a lot of people don't want to be the bad guy right like the outsider um and again i I speak from personal experience like i i get it all right we're going to take another quick break here to uh pay the bills and we'll be right back with you in a moment If you care about disabled veterans and children in need, and we know you do, donate today to the American Legion Veterans and Children's Foundation. Any amount helps. Donate online at legion.org forward slash donate. All right, rapid fire. Uh, This one from military.com. Army OK's push-up PT as punishment for minor infractions. I'm not even going to read this story. Like you, that title tells you everything you need to know. Was there a time when sergeants weren't allowed to give you push-ups as a punishment? Am I That's missing something with this story? This I whole knew. story, like, 
Wait, has boot, you, has boot camp changed? That, what are they like, doing in boot camp? This is like stress card week or something. What is this nonsense? Like, the army says it's okay to assign push-ups as punishment. Wow. I, 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 right. Like, when Mind was blown. that not the case? I, I, I was flummoxed by... Oh, so what you're telling me is it's better... If somebody's screwing around in formation, it's better to assign them push-ups than to go through an hour-long counseling session. Yes, I concur that push-ups is a much better alternative. Congrats, Army. Good job. Then, you know, you take it to the next level and you basically say, all right, uh, everybody. Right. Half right. Face. Everyone goes down. collective punishment was what we did. Like, it was one thing we do well. It's collective punishment. I don't, I don't, I I, I'm flummoxed by the whole article. I can't even believe it's there. <laughs> All right, we'll go to rapid fire number two. Uh, that was this the first is, rapid fire we've had in a long time. It was rapid, yeah. The other one was rapid. This, this was kind of my favorite story for reasons that are not in the story. But this is, uh, if you've seen the video, it's from KHOU News. And it's a Coast Guard swim call shark attack. Uh, and oh, I saw this. Crew, crew members on the USS Coast Guard cutter Kimball... <laughs> Had a close encounter with a shark recently, and it turned into one of, quote, the most amazing events, end quote, they've ever experienced at sea. (laughs) After finishing up their week on Tuesday, the crew members decided to take advantage of perfect weather conditions and a remote location a zillion miles from land, end quote, to enjoy (laughs) some swimming time. So they all jump into the water, and then they locate a shark. And as the Coast Guard (laughs) put out this quote, and this is on Facebook, ME1 uh Sintin, I believe Sintrin uh, fired a well-aimed burst on top of at or on top of the shark to protect shipmates from just feet away. It turned away for a few seconds then turned back. We kept directing people out of the water while keeping a clear line of sight on the shark. ME1 fired bursts as needed to keep the shark from his shipmates with amazing accuracy, etc etc etc. It's quite an interesting video. It is. It's and the entire time in the background of this Coast Guard swim is a ginormous inflatable <gasps> yes. unicorn. Unicorn, yeah. Which could not have been more Coast Guardy. And like I it just <laughs> was the and oddly it's the second time that same unicorn blow up has shown up in the news this week because there was a little girl that was on one and she got sucked out to sea and got saved by a ferry. So I guess little girls and Coast Guard members like the inflatable. They they like the inflatable unicorn. What did you? What did you think of this whole thing, Ashley? Oh my god, it was hilarious. So at first I saw the article and it was. One of them was like kind of like bait click at first. I thought it was like, no, this isn't real. And then it was like something like baby shark, and I was like, what the hell? So I like clicked on it and I watched this video and I was like, and I just heard him do like these bursts into the water. Gosh, they're shooting at the shark right now. And you can see, like, everybody in, like, the water. And whoever is, like, filming it, at least in the video that I saw, I was like, everyone must have been having a really great time because everyone was, like, in their chill clothes. <laughs> Everyone's, like, phones over the, the ship side, right? And they're just, like, trying to get everybody on. And then at one point, they get everyone on. And then there's just this lone little, like, raft of the unicorn <laughs> just, like, floating there. It's like, someone save the unicorn. <laughs> Jeff, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's and it's funny. I, the PR the PR department got in on this because it's at the end of the article they're saying, "Well, we don't think any harm came to the shark," and that's when I knew that there weren't 
any Marines on that boat because instead of a unicorn, there would have been a grill, and yeah. we would have had some fresh friggin' shark that they night. Would have, they would have opened up with a Mark 19 grenade launcher and blown that shark right out of the water. Amazing. I, I mean, I will say, in defense of the Coast Guard, like that shark was very close to swimmers. We're not talking oh, like yeah, it was the shark was close. a long way away. We're talking feet. And yeah, the, like arms and length. The, you could see when you would surface. I, I, I Imagine yourself one of those swimmers. You're in the water, and then all of a sudden your buddy, who you know hasn't been to the small arms range in forever and a day, is leaning over a ship that's rocking back and forth and shooting at a shark who's 10 feet from you would have made me a little bit uncomfortable. I think not the way I would want to go either by friendly fire, you know, it just in general, I think I could go on record saying, I don't want to die within sight of a floating uh, unicorn. I'll just state <laughs> that right now. I will say at one point, like you can see off in the distance where like, there's a group of them all swimming and like, none of them really like move a whole lot. And I'm like, yeah. What? Like, guys, time to time to move. And then by like towards like the second time they like shot a burst into the water, people are like, oh yeah, we should probably get out of the water. I, I think I would have swam like hell to be in the middle of that crowd. Like, like right. you, you know, like swimming. They would have they would have probably chummed up the water, but I at least would have been in the middle trying to act small. I don't know what was going on there. Wow, strategy. Look at this guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so you don't need to run faster than the bear. You need to run faster than the, your buddy. I think the. I think the moral of this whole story is don't swim with inflatable unicorns. No, I think yeah, that obviously that's, totally. that's that's why the shark was attracted. Yeah. It was the unicorn. Yep. All right. And a not funny story. This is the biggest dumbass in the history of mankind award here uh, from the New York Post Army Lieutenant TikTok Holocaust joke. I mean, I. I an army soldier with more than 3 million followers on TikTok is under investigation for a vile joke about Jewish people dying in a Holocaust. What? I don't even need to go into the story. Like, in what world, like, not even a lieutenant, like, in what world is do you think it's okay to just make a Holocaust joke on TikTok? Ignorant. Or over, or over dessert. It does. I don't think it matters where you are. No. But like, yeah. in the, uh, you never go full Holocaust. It's, no. You just never no. do that. And it's like uh, the 18th Airborne Corps is investigating. Well, no kidding. Like that, yeah. uh, what did you think was he? And at one point in the video, he said he says anyone who's offended can get the blank out and oh. to stop and to stop being a he blank. He said that to 3 million people. First of all, let's yeah. just talk about him having 3 million followers and being in like whatever his position from an OPSEC standpoint. We're just going to throw that out there. Just throw right. that out there. But then... This guy's going out there and saying just dumb stuff, yeah, saying dumb I, stuff. I, 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 I'm, I'm flummoxed. People I mean, the guy. Him. That makes he, me sad. Oh well, he, yeah. Now all of his stuff's taken down, so I guess you won't be doing that anytime soon. I'm, I'm assuming he's not going to be uh, in the military much longer. I would assume it's, as well. I mean, I guess we'll get an update on that. But I, uh, you, he can't stay in the military. There's no way you can stay in after that. Like, there's just no. I, that's I, just. I, I, I don't I can't even imagine what went through his head. Like he had to have made the decision one to say it and another to post it. Like I I, I don't I don't understand. And to go and to say anybody who's offended could get up to to three million people, which on the internet means that three million gets magnified right. when yeah. you do something stupid. Insane. I, totally insane. All right, so we will end on a positive note here. We've got this story from the Army Times. 
and Staff Sergeant Monty Gould, who graduated basic training this week. Congratulations to Staff Sergeant Monty Gould. Uh, What makes this interesting, however, I mean, obviously you kind of know the punchline here in that he's a Staff Sergeant just graduating basic training. He's 59 years old. He graduated basic training at 59 years old. And uh, he said, for some of these kids, I'm older than their grandparents, Gould said during a telephone interview. I went through Marine Corps boot camp in 1978. It's a whole different world. So what happened was he went through Marine Corps boot camp in 1978. Eventually, he switched over to the Army. He served 18 full years and then got out. Then there was a 10-year lapse, and he decided he wanted to go in to finish his last two years before retirement. And the Army Reserve, I think it was a Civil Affairs unit, said, yeah, that's great, but you'll have to go to basic training. And he said, okay. And off he went to basic training. Uh, He did have some fairly interesting quotes here that I thought he said, the soldiers are graduating are generally more knowledgeable and smarter on a lot of things, said Gould. But when it comes to the more intangible qualities like grit and resilience, he still think recruits in his day beat the newer generation. Drill instructors in 1978 were, quote, borderline sadistic, Gould said. We ran every day in boots and utility pants with a t- PT shirt. Was it smart? No. It caused more leg injuries. It caused a lot more problems running in boots. But we were hard. I couldn't do that today. I we're like hard. totally love this old school guy, right? Yeah, back in my day, we used to, you know, <laughs> crawl through snow backwards. I just imagine, I lo- like, I love this guy. The drill yeah. sergeant's coming into the bay and, like, just flipping stuff over, destroying it. And this guy just, like, casually getting out of his bed and being like, Right. He's like, I'm, I'm 58. Are you, are you, are you really going to do that to me? Yeah. Well, that's what I, that's what I was thinking because I've Can said, you imagine a, um, I've like, said no. numerous times that the only people who can put up with that are 18 to 25 year olds. Right. Like the only, and to see this guy, he's, and I don't mean the physical part. He's probably in great shape or whatever. He's one of those people. Yeah. But it's that whole like mental game. Yeah. Now granted, what is the army's like eight weeks? I mean, you can put up with it for that. But it, and. Do you see that? Did you see see that disrespect, Ashley? (laughs) It's like eight weeks. Oh, okay. Is all it? Right. All right. I don't remember it being eight weeks, but go I don't on. Tell it being me, eight weeks tell either. me, what do you, tell me what do you more. Remember, what do you remember Army Boot Camp being? Mine was 17. Well, You're talking about the first part of BASIC is only eight weeks, but then ten, you have your MOS. Eight, I thought it was 10 weeks. Because then you have your MOSQ, which is depending on, like, there's... Your uh, MOS doesn't... Hold your on, MOS I gotta do math. Camp. Let me do math. What's that? Hold on. Your you MOS guys, it's different. You guys do that. Yeah. Oh. Either way, you're still getting yelled a, at. Ashley's about to do a data jump. But I shouldn't have even brought it up. But I'll also say, when do Marines have to go to anybody else's boot camp? I don't understand that. Well, I, it when just it's because he was 59. Is when it it's ageism? Been, yeah, I think they were just like. No, I, I, I mean I've seen it happen. Usually, a Marine can go and switch over to the Army without retaking basic. The problem was in this case, he had the 10 year gap. And mm-hmm. the 10 years is just, that's too much. So they made him go. I mean, I wouldn't hate going to basic training again. I had fun at basic training. But you're you're right. Like, it would be that stuff. It would be the flipping over bunks. And I'd be like, dude, did you really just flip? Like, it wouldn't be the physical stuff and the lack of sleep. And you can learn to live with that. But, like, if you're a 59-year-old guy and you're being yelled at by a 23-year-old drill sergeant, like, you got to be like, Dude, I will. I could crush you. Like, I just can't stop. even imagine. Like, no, 
just think about the things they like you know they come up with these clever things they give like folks nicknames and some of them aren't always like super amazing right i can't even imagine we're like oh man winner what are you doing like i can't even i can't even imagine like i'm trying to think of the stupid stuff they would say to try and peeve him off like i, I don't all right even i'm know. gonna i'm gonna Jeff, do a request I, just, for super producer holly just, i'm gonna do a request I want one of those drill instructors, or you, his army, your drill sergeants. I want one of those as an interview because I want to know what the hell it oh, looked like right? when you saw when you saw your father get off get yeah. off the bus. <laughs> what was your first thought? Yes. What fresh hell is this that I've got a fifty nine year old recruit? Can we just comment for a minute that like, sir, out, of, out of the three lost? of us, Did the, you first, miss the, bus? Community the first one to drop one? profanity oh. on the podcast is Ashley. Can we all just make a note of how great that is? She, Wait, you dropped an S bombs. Did you not hear it? You said I'm too old for this. Oh yeah, I'm too old for this. Ashley. Yeah, yeah. So if you had wow. Ashley as the wow. first one to swear and ruin the podcast, for it, it's a good thing we don't have three million TikTokers following yep. us because we would if we're, we would be if history. we're canceled after this. I, I blame Ashley. Now that we've got, I did go the math you. by the way too. Potty, potty weeks. Ma- oh, now she's gonna make up for a potty mouth with some data. <laughs> yeah, I am. It was ten. It was at least ten weeks in Get basic some... training, roughly. You count like the one and a half, almost two weeks of reception, depending on like where you were in the cycle. Yeah, I was they there. Were ready I was for there you. for a month. And then I was in for so yeah, I was I was gone for twenty one weeks. Yeah. Total. That was That's with AIT it. Advanced Individual Training for you Marines. Yeah, I've heard of it. it sounds adorable. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um... it's real cute. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> the cutest experience of my life sounds, by far. Like if I had I to like frame them, like your jokes, basic training cute. Yeah, we like, we need to go to one of those camps that where you can relive your basic training. Just the three of us. I think you know, yeah. living in a tent, having people yell at us. I think it'd make for some very compelling. Uh, well, actually, I want to I want to circle back to an earlier story. I think that uh, Ashley dropping the S bomb would require some army authorized push-ups as punishment. <laughs> he, no, I think. Yeah. We're, we're gonna what have to What letter of the alphabet her. is it? That's how many she has to do. <laughs> well, I'm no. sure she's probably drafting it down now, but I think it's 19, isn't it? No. It is 19, yep. I'm not so there you jokes. go. Uh, <laughs> Super Producer Holly is saying maybe just a night of laser tag and a few beers would suffice. I'm also down with that. I, I'm yes. perfectly <laughs> fine with it. I'm cool. All right, Jeff, let's go to shout outs. We'll start with you. I am gonna shout out probably one of the most interesting uh, handsome and uh, intelligent people that I've ever met in my mirror. <laughs> this guy. Um, I I have I was challenged last year to do some things. One of them was to make a podcast, which then led to me being on this podcast. I also decided to write a resolution and got it through my post in my district. It's at national, so I, I'm going to shout out every wise human being involved in this process that has seen the wisdom that I am trying to paint across this beautiful American Legion of ours. And it's just a simple, it's a simple resolution. It's to add uh, a digital aspect to the historian yearbook because I'm finding a lot of posts because it's a, it's a lot of work to do the, the traditional one. And a lot of posts have uh, younger members who don't want to do it that way. And uh, so that's all I'm doing. And I am taking the power of the pulpit to kind of campaign for passage of this. So I'm shouting out in advance to everyone at the NEC who will vote and make this change happen. 
I, I think I speak on behalf of both Ashley and I, where I, it's about time you came away from your modest and humble upbringing to mm. tout your own horn. I, I, it just doesn't happen enough on our podcast. No, no. gosh. No. He's so quiet and demure that sometimes we forget he's even there. All right, Ashley, what's your shout out? Okay. Um. <laughs> if 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 her shout out is Jeff Daly, I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, I actually considered that for a brief moment. And I was like, mm, maybe I maybe I just toss this bag at him and see what happens. Maybe, maybe his head will get so big it'll explode. Who knows? Um. So this one is just more of I, I would I'm gonna go with just a, a general plug today. Um. So I just want to say thank you to a lot of folks, uh, more recently friends and family who've been super supportive of me. Um, I've been going through a lot of stuff and I've appreciated everyone's kind words and empathetic ears. Um, but I just want to remind the world to be kind to one another because you don't know what other people are going through. And um, that, you know, always do buddy checks and check on others and continue to care for others. So that's fine. Very good. And mine is to uh, actually, partially at least, to Super Producer Holly and my former colleagues at the Media and Communications Division. If you have not seen, the uh, 2020 annual report for the American Legion is out. And if you wonder what is it the American Legion actually does, like what are, what are people doing nationwide, you've got to go and read this document. You'll find it on legion.org, our website. But the 2020 annual report always tells us exactly what departments are doing. And especially in this year that everyone's going to want to forget, the American Legion has been there for the communities it serves. And it's always great to see in the annual report some, you know, some of the ways that we're doing that. So if you, if you want to feel good about where your membership dues go and what others around you are doing and what the American Legion as a whole is doing, go out and read the 2020 annual report. So that's my shout out, special shout out again to Super Producer Holly and uh, Super Editor Jeff Stouffer for uh, for doing that. It's an amazing document. Appreciate it very much. All right, guys. So we have completed another uh, week of uh, hard work uh, going into this. I'm sure you can tell we have so much. As I pointed out to Jeff earlier, we're not uh, we're not overly burdened by not knowing anything about a topic. We can talk on any topic, whether we've read the story or not. So. I won't say, you know, it's overly burden, burdensome of us to have to read this, but uh, it's good stuff. So anyway, guys, we will see you in a week. Bye. Bye. Bye.